Hey, I'm Brian. I'm the minister at Harmony Christian Church. Uh, thanks for clicking on our video. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can go to harmonychurch.tv. And there you can uh, read about us. And you can also do some online giving there as well. You can do a one-time giving or you can do recurring giving. If you'd like to send us a gift, some kind of a donation, you can send it to 7100 South Choctaw Road, Choctaw, Oklahoma, 73020. You can also give us a call at 405-391-7310. If you'd like to, if you use Facebook, you can find us on Facebook at Choctaw HCC. Maybe we'll see you. Maybe you've been watching these videos. Uh, maybe you live close by and you'd like to come check us out on some Sunday uh, in live and in person. You can see us uh, on live and in person Sunday mornings at 1030. Either way, I hope that this video is a blessing to you and whoever you're watching it with today. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and through the course of that conversation, all of a sudden you just come to this realization that what you're both kind of complaining about is just how busy you are? You know, everybody's talking about, oh, time just moves so quickly and we're busy doing this and we're busy doing that and everybody's busy and there's just busy, 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 busy all the time everywhere. You know, so, some researchers a while back did a little bit of a test and, and what they found out was is that in our culture, when people talk about being busy, in our culture, it's a sign of like higher status. Like, you seem to be doing better than everybody else if you're just busy, 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 kind of all the time. In fact, in their research, they came up with a whole new term. They called it busy bragging. Because we're just so busy, it's almost like we're bragging about, like, how busy that we are. And whether you're busy or not so busy, what we all seem to be in search of is purpose. Just, what am I supposed to be doing? Just, why am I here? What am I designed to do? Uh, there was a book that came out a while back. It's called uh, The Five Things That People Regret As They're Dying. And there's, a, there's this author by the name of Barbara Weir. And she writes this book, and she talks about how she worked in palliative care and in hospice care. And she got to talk to all these different patients who were just sometimes weeks or maybe days away from... Uh, from not having, from not being here on earth anymore. And so uh, she would ask them stories about their life and ask them about anything that they regretted. And what she discovered is that by and far, out of the hundreds of patients that she talked to, there were top five things that most everybody regretted. And, and here they are. Number five is, I wish I would have let myself be happier. Number four I wish I would have stayed in touch with old friends. And three is, I wish I had courage to express my feelings. Number two was, I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. And she said that this is especially true for a lot of the men. And the number one thing was, the number one regret, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself. What I'd like to just take a, just a little moment, just a moment as we're here together in this video, just, just a moment. Maybe we can just put aside the busyness for, for just a minute and let's just focus for just a moment on just what it would mean for you to live a life that was true to yourself. Last week, we, uh, if you look at the video, uh, last week, if you watched the video from last week, uh, what we did was is we talked about sin and 
what we discovered is that sin often isn't so much like what did you do wrong as much as sin is like not doing the thing that you're supposed to do, which sort of begs the question, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? If I'm not doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing, then just what is it am I supposed to be doing like at all? Which sort of brings up all kinds of other questions like just what am I designed to do? How am I gifted? Just what is it I'm supposed to be doing? And in all the tragedy of life and all the beauty of life, we, all these kinds of questions come up. Just what is my purpose? What am I designed to do? Just how is it that God has gifted me? Just what am I supposed to be doing here on planet Earth? And all those questions are complex, and all those questions have more questions that come with them. But there's another question that really sort of drives all of those. And it's a simple question, but it's a question that we've all been taught and trained to really not even, like, talk about much. And the simple question is this. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And it sounds, like, so simple, and yet it's so hard to kind of answer just, what is it that you want? How is it that you are designed? What is it I'm supposed to be doing? What is my purpose? Because the answer to those kinds of questions, the answer to the question of just what is my purpose, what am I, what am I here to be doing, what, just what is it that I want, answering that question is a signal to how God has gifted you and designed you. But also answering that question can be a little tricky because we have a problem, we have an issue. And that is that some of the things that I desire, some of the things that I want to do, aren't really things that I should be doing. Oh, like, for example, if I'm asking you, like, what is it that you really want to do? What is it that you truly want to do? Just what, what's your answer to that? And while, while you're kind of thinking about that for a second, my mom makes, like, the best chocolate chip cookies, or at least I think that my mom makes the best chocolate chip cookies. And she's been making this recipe for years. I could probably call my mom up in the dead of night, and she could probably rattle off this recipe that she makes for chocolate chip cookies. They're the best. Like, I love them. And that's my problem. I love chocolate chip cookies. And I have to be really careful around chocolate chip cookies because I might just eat all the chocolate chip cookies. Because, see, I have this other desire. I have this other want. And the other want that I have is I kind of want to be healthy. So I can't eat all the chocolate chip cookies that I want to eat and be healthy. You can't really do those things. And so just what is it that you want? If I were to ask, you know, what is it you want? Well, you, some people might say, well, I just want to be able to go golfing every day, or maybe I want to travel, or maybe there's some car that you want. But all those things are really surface wants. Is that really what you want? I mean, what you really want out of all the things that you really deeply, truly desire in life is you just want to wake up and go play golf every day? You, you really, truly just desire just the ability just to travel? That's really, truly what you want? Is that really your deepest desire? In the book of John, John chapter 5, Jesus and the disciples are, are off traveling, and as often happens, they're headed off to somewhere, and there's another interruption which usually happens to this group as they're going around, that somebody's always sort of interrupting them. And, and here, Jesus, on his way to this party that him and the disciples are headed to, 
they're interrupted by a guy who is seated by a pool in the hopes of finding some healing. And so we find this story in John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this, Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One was there who had, who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been born in this condition for a long time, he asked him, did you want to get well? Now, if you know the rest of this story, if you kind of know how this story turns out, then it, it sounds like this question that Jesus is asking, is asking is really quite silly. It's quite preposterous. I mean, you might just imagine what this guy's answer might be. I mean, Jesus, why else have I been sitting here for 38 years next to this pool? Of course I want to get well. I mean, who wouldn't want to get well? I mean, that's why I've been sitting here day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, because I want to get well. That's what I want. I want to get well. I'd like for us to kind of pay attention to this for just a minute, and not just for like the miraculous thing that we know that, that happens later, but I want you to pay attention to something here, and I, think this, and I think there's a moment here that if we pay attention to it, I think it has the opportunity to change your life and to reorient like how you relate to Jesus, and that is this. God is interested in your desires. Here in this story, Jesus is interested in what this guy wants. Just what is it that you want? What do you really, truly desire? What is it that you want? Jesus is interested. God is interested. God is interested in what you want. That is not an inconsequential kind of a thing. Your desires, what you want, is something of interest to God. So what do you want? What do you want? Now, our desires aren't everything to God. Certainly, there are things that we desire and things that we want that we really shouldn't want. But just kind of picking and choosing between, like, the wrong desire and the right desire really isn't sort of the trick. It's taking even those wrong desires that we have and allowing God to transform them, that's, that's where we find really what you want. Really what we're looking for, what we want. Because sometimes there's so many things that we do want that it's probably not the best. St. Augustine called these kinds of things that, we're, that we sometimes really, really desire, that we think that we want, only to figure out that's really not what I wanted. St. Augustine called that misguided loves. Sometimes in our lives we have so many misguided loves. Misguided loves. And, but I'd like, I'd like to point out here that something that maybe you haven't thought of before, maybe something that you haven't even really considered, and that is just how non-coercive God really is. Like God isn't trying to get you to do anything. You have a choice that you can make. 
Pharaoh made his choice to let the, to let the Hebrew people go. It was his choice. God didn't make him do it. Uh, Jonah ends up in Nineveh. God didn't force him. He made his choice. And you and I get to make a choice too. We get to make a choice. What is it that you desire? What is it that you really want out of life? In order to get at that, here's a couple of things to kind of consider. Uh, one thing is this. No, always pay attention to negative experiences. When I was a kid, I hated math. I hated math. And the more that I had teachers try and get me to like math, and they tried to like force math down upon me, the worse it got. They were frustrated. I was frustrated. It wasn't a happy experience for either one of us. But when I was a kid, I was in love with the space program launching rockets to the moon, the shuttle program. I thought that was great. I remember one time as a kid, there were these styrofoam blocks that were laying around my house, and I used, like, some toothpicks and some glue, and I made, like, my own, like, space station, and I could fit. I had these little G.I. Joe figures, and I could fit my little G.I. Joe figures inside the space station that I made. I was so happy. I was so proud of that thing. And then one day, maybe around, like, middle school, I figured out... Um, in order to, like, work at NASA and be an engineer, you kind of got to know math. Well, math isn't my thing. So that negative experience was a signal to me of, like, okay, this, is, this truly is not your deepest desire. There's something else. There's something else that's out there. Another thing is stay flexible. Life is dynamic. Life changes. I mean, I know we say that a lot, like, you know, things change. But seriously, like, things change. You are not the same person that you were, like, like physically and emotionally and mentally that you were even, like, five years ago. You're not the same person. And yet, here's the problem. So many of us are so frustrated and angry in life because at some point in time, we made a decision about what we thought life was supposed to be all about, and life hasn't really gone that way, and we are just hanging on to dear life for what we think life is supposed to be all about. You know, God is a God that's on the move. He's over here doing things in Egypt, and he's over here doing things in Israel, and he's over here doing things while the people are in exile. And, and when the early church gets going, he's, he's in Jerusalem, and he's in Antioch, and he's in, he's in Philippi, and he's in Rome. Like, God's all over the place. This is a God that's on the move. So be flexible. Stay flexible. God is a God that's on the move. Free yourself from judgment and fear. Now, that's way easier said than done. But free yourself from judgment and fear. And I don't mean judgment by, like, other people that are out there. I mean even fellow Christians. Sometimes there are things that we feel called to do by God, and the reason why we don't do it is we're afraid of the judgment that's going to come our direction. And it's by fellow Christians, usually. But here's the thing you need to know. You're already being judged anyway. Everybody's already judging you. Oh, your hair should look like this, and the clothes you should wear is be like that, and this is the kind of music that you should listen to, and here's how you ought to vote, and everybody's judging you by all of these things, like all the time. And here's the thing you kind of need to know. The motivation behind the judgment that's coming your direction 
all it is doing is they're just stopping you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. So don't be afraid. Because a person that really desires and really wants to move in the direction that God wants them to move, then guess what? There might be some judgment coming your direction, but you know what's on the other side. On the other side of doing what God's called you to do is freedom and transformation, which is something that we really want. One more thing to kind of consider as you're trying to figure out, like, what is it that I really want? And that is this. Desires are not decisions. Desires are not decisions. Every decision and every desire that you kind of have can be a teacher on your journey, but not every desire you need to act on. And so all of these desires that you have can be a teacher. All these desires that you have are signals towards just what is it and just how is it that God has designed you. So pay attention to those desires, but not every one do you need to act on. But pay attention to them because they can be a signal to how God has gifted you. You know, when I was a kid, I had these books. Maybe you might be familiar with them. But they were these books where you could kind of read through the story. And after you've read through the story for a little while, uh, there would be this part of the story where you, where you got to choose, you know. You, there was this door, either, you know, door one or door two, or it was this path or it was that path that you could take. And then depending on which one you picked, you know, turn to page 10, and you turn to page 10, and it would tell you what happened if you took this path or opened that door. And usually for me, it meant like the werewolf came out and you, or you fell in a pit. Basically, you died, right? I would always make like the bad decision. But then I would have to go back and I could like relive like, ooh, I can make this choice over here and I could do that. I bring that up to say this. The story of your life has not been written for you. You get to choose. You get to make the decision about what your life is going to be all about. You get to make that choice. You know, when, when Jesus was going through that process of his, of his death, burial, and resurrection, as he's getting ready to, to go into the time of where he's going to have a trial before headed off to the cross, Jesus wasn't sitting in the garden going, you know what? It's all your people's fault. If all you people would have just got your lives organized, I wouldn't even have to be here, and everything would be fine. But no, you people just couldn't get your act together. That's not what he said. He didn't blame people for that. He didn't, he didn't even blame God. He didn't say, God, like, this is all on you, man. You're just forcing this on me, and you're forcing me to do this. That's not what Jesus said either. What Jesus said was, is I'm the one that gives up my life. Nobody takes my life from me. I'm the one that's making this choice. I'm the one making this decision. I freely am giving up my life. See, to be a follower of Jesus, kind of at the heart of it, is that you get to choose. You get to make a choice. What do you want your life to be about? So you just need to answer the question. What do you want God bless this is Ecclesiastes chapter 3 there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot 
a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Peace be with